Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight is probably one of the more difficult shows that we've done because it deals with something very personal, I think, to many of us, which is about forgiveness, the power of forgiveness. And the expert that we have on, we have two different experts. One of them is Reverend Sally Perry. She's somebody who I've known for a long time. She's very uh, beautiful, powerful. She's just somebody who's so unique and I'm so thankful that she's been a part of our program. She's actually been in the background for a long time, and she came on the very first year, and this is her third appearance on the show. This is going to be one of those situations where I think I'm almost completely at odds, philosophically speaking, with our guests, even though I have a high level of respect, because I'm sure that you've talked to a lot of teachers. Maybe you're at a different level where if somebody does something bad to you, you want to forgive and you say, you know, it's all about the forgiveness. And when these, you see in the news when something horrible happens to someone, they, they forgive the killer or they forgive someone that's harmed them. And I'm telling you, I'm just not there. I'm really not there and I may not ever be there. And I don't know if I necessarily want to be there. I feel that if somebody does something horrible that they need to be made an example of. And I don't necessarily want to offer forgiveness sometimes. I have forgiven some people. I try to be compassionate. If somebody does say, I'm sorry, I almost always will forgive. But I don't necessarily seek out people who've done bad things and say, I'm going to you know, make this right because I do want to see them fail. And I don't necessarily know that it, or believe that I'm any less evolved than somebody who does forgive or is more, much more compassionate. When we had Nancy Dadison on our show, I always feel that she was somebody who opened up uh, my perception, opened up a lot of windows because she saying that when she had her death experience, that we are all consciousness, we are all part of the same beings, we all come in and eventually we all go back to the same place. So it doesn't matter. We don't like, eventually necessarily wind up in heaven or hell. We do experience, I guess, at the end of our lives, the path, the, the you know, the life review, and we experience everything that we inflicted upon someone. So there is justice. So that being said. Whether you're a compassionate person and choose to forgive or choose not to forgive, I don't know if it really matters in the greater evolution of things. But I think that the power of forgiveness is one that um, is awesome. It is powerful. And it's not necessarily almost about forgiving others, but also about forgiving yourself. Looking at what you have on the inside, I feel that the power to forgive yourself is even more powerful and even has greater significance than uh, the power to forgive others. But let us begin tonight's program. Joining us now is Anna DeLong, licensed therapist and a mindfulness expert. And welcoming back to the program is the lovely Miss Reverend Sally Perry. You can learn more about Miss Perry by going to her website at sallyperry.net. Miss Perry, Miss DeLong, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, and again, in a way, I became Swami Satchidanan, Supreme Truth, Knowledge, and Bliss. I was initiated by Swami Yudhkarush okay. Paramananji. And I want to let and our listeners know. Oh, sorry, good. And um, I just want to let our listeners know that I'm glad that. Uh, Perry said that because if I had been doing the introduction, we would have been pre-recording that for 30 minutes. So I'm glad you got that out. <laughs> <laughs> so our focus of today is about forgiveness. It is about the power to forgive. And I was wondering if I can just throw that question to you both. Is 
what is the true significance of the power of forgiveness, both to other people and forgiving yourself? So, Ms. Perry, would you like to start with that one? Uh, yes. When you work, as I teach, using the written word, which is 50 times stronger than what you think, when you work with that, you are encoding into the embodied soul a change that will actually change the heart and the brain. What do you mean it'll change the heart and the brain? Does that mean that your, your function will improve, you'll go faster, you'll be more open to different experiences? How would you describe that change? Well, Ryan, when we die, we take our strongest thought, our emotion, and our heart. So why do you think people have so many heart attacks? It's their suffering, their unforgiveness, especially of those people that have harmed them, harmed their body, harmed their mind. That's very difficult to come away from. Okay. So you're saying that a person who's done this thing, so do you think to find that they're putting themselves in a greater physical danger if it is about self-destructive habits as opposed to inflicting pain upon others and having that, let's say, the karmic ramifications come back to them? That's right. But the forgive and release technique will help release the mental and emotional pain that one holds from being in a state of unforgiveness. What if some people are having a difficult time forgiving themselves? I mean, imagine if, you're, if you were the victim of a trauma, like sexual abuse, physical violence. I mean, maybe there's a part of you that feels you deserve it or the, it deserves to happen to you. It could be very intense. So how is one able to even come to those terms and believe they are even worthy to be forgiven by themselves and by others? Well, of course, you need a spiritual teacher to help you to guide that. But... What happens is as we age, we learn more mindfulness. We learn more about forgiving. We learn more about releasing. And as we start doing this, we find more peace in our life. Our inner dialogue changes. We're not judging. And once you judge, you connect to that situation. And that's what happens when people get abused and they keep going into the same kind of relationship because they keep judging it. And as the judge and the victim, they remain a victim. Okay. And Mrs. Long, having worked with, uh, imagine working with so many different individuals, is there any particular way or breakthrough that a person can have in order to be open to finally forgiving themselves? Well, I think that um, you, you were talking about a lot of things, and I wanted to just touch base on two parts, like because there's a difference between forgiving yourself and forgiving someone else. And I, I can I follow up on something that Swami said about the impact of non-forgiveness? Is that okay? Um, is that there's a study that the University of Wisconsin did with veterans you, um, using people that were aged 17 to 70-something, um, and they were all veterans. They all had uh, two other things in common. One was they all had heart disease or were high risk for it. 
And the second thing was they all had sort of a commitment to unforgiveness, or they all had something that had been done to them that um, that, that they were ruminating over that was causing them great pain, that they were angry about, where they someone had done them wrong. And the, in the study, they wanted to see if this had a negative impact on cardiac health. And what they discovered is, of course, it does. So they did angiograms while the people were talking about this, uh, whatever had happened to them. And what they noticed on the angiogram is while people were talking about this story that was replaying over and over, they're related to their commitment to unforgiveness, was something called a dark spot where the heart wasn't as well oxygenated. And indeed, some of these dark spots were correlated with where they had had damage from heart attacks in the past. And they trained them in forgiveness and something called like compassionate reappraisal techniques and things like that. Um, and came back, I don't, I, I not, don't remember exactly how many weeks later, but what they had a much harder time finding the cold spots on the heart. And if you think for a moment about someone you love, and you just picture someone you love and think about loving them or feeling good about that and noticing how that feels in the body to love them. And then think about something where that where you're angry with someone else or yourself. Think about how that feels in your body. And you can kind of begin to get a sense of how it's not an ideal situation and it's not a setup for optimal health. And there really are things that can be done to help people grow and heal. Okay. So... I want to delve into more about this, is that if you are dealing with a tremendous amount of guilt based on a traumatic event, what is the starting point to believe that you are worthy of being forgiven? How do you come to the conclusion? You said, you know, you have to find a teacher. Okay, well, you find a teacher, and they're oscillating in a vibrational frequency that may be higher than yours or more grounded because of yours and techniques. However... You know, ultimately within you, if you have the power to focus your attention on something, it seems that that's where your consciousness and energy is going to go. So how do you begin that process? Where do you begin and say, you know, I need to be forgiven or I want to be forgiven and I'm willing to do the work to do it? How do you go and start that while at the same time going against the repeated um, rehashing of painful memories within your mind that is kind of knocking you back two or three different steps. How do you progressively go forward when you deal with a tremendous amount of guilt and the tremendous amount of energy that you've already committed to making yourself feel horrible and indulging in guilt based on what has happened in your life? So any one of you guys... Well, first of all, I tell people if they don't want to write their forgiveness on the person to do it for me, and I've sat with people. I sat with a woman that taught uh, mind, silver mind control. And she was working with her mother. And after an hour, I finally said, I'm going to start double charging you if you don't start writing a forgiveness on your mother. Do it for me. And she did and started crying. And then she could finally forgive herself for all the hate. We live in a duality. So we have to first forgive the person to get out of the victim consciousness or we die and we keep precipitating 90% of the people that we work on, 70 to 90%, have a victim consciousness about something. 
whether it's a marriage or relationship or abuse or just somebody speaking badly to them. We have to break that barrier because we are dual. We have to work with the person that we feel has hurt us, and then we forgive ourselves for feeling bad and that nobody cares for us or that we're unworthy. By doing that process of forgiving them, even if you don't want to, then you'll be able to work through your own forgiveness. Okay. And how do you begin? If you're going to say right now, what are some of the steps you can do immediately to begin to forgive others and forgive yourself? And also, let me throw a second part about it. How do you offer forgiveness to someone who has no desire or is willing to accept that that wants it from you. What if somebody hurts you and they enjoy hurting you and it took a lot of pleasure in hurting you? Do you? I mean, is, is it it's even worthwhile to offer them forgiveness? It's about it's about you. It's not about them. You're not working on their soul. You're working on your soul. So, in order to release from the dual or the duality is you have to forgive them first, then yourself. It doesn't matter whether they accept it. Their karma may continue abusing people, but you will break through your own karma and your peace will come in and you'll be free yourself and you won't keep recreating those karmic patterns of allowing other people to hurt you. You'll get back your power. That's the reason it's called the power the power of forgiveness. Okay. There is a power that comes through forgiving. Let's and look. it's grace that comes in. It comes in for the person that does the work. They're not doing the work for you. They're doing the work for their self. It's about self-realizing, self-healing. You have to heal yourself first. Now, what if you don't want to forgive? Let's say, for example, somebody did something horrible, or they continue to do horrible, and they're still like that. You choose not to forgive. You say, look, I don't want to do it. I'm going to focus my time, effort, and energy on doing other things. This person did something horrible to me, but I'm not going to give them that. I'm not going to show that that side of me. Does that mean you're a bad person? Does that mean you're limited to your capability of what you can attain in this reality? And some people go through life and... Horrible things do not happen to them. Some people go through life and horrible things happen to them. And either way, can you go through your life and still be happy and still have a lot of peace in your life and have the option of not choosing to forgive someone? Are you missing out on something? Are you going to miss out on attaining a certain level of enlightenment if you actively and electively choose not to forgive someone? And we can Forgiveness is... Both of you guys for that. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the heart. And the heart has to be open and clear to help the soul. The soul resides there by the heart. And in order for you to be in higher mind or to self-realize and grow in that manner, you have to do that work. The heart has to be clear. And yes, you cannot forgive and you can die 20 more lifetimes and Maybe you'll birth that person in that's abused you. 
you know, and then it'll be up to you. Are you going to abuse that soul? You'll have those feelings that you'll want to kill that baby. We birthed that person, which means that I don't understand. That had abused you, yes. So that thing is what goes around comes around. It'll be the karma will come back in another lifetime, and no matter if it's really really bad, you may birth that person in if you don't forgive them. It's the same thing about judgment. If you judge another person that's a dope addict or an alcoholic, nine times out of ten, your karma. If you die with that heavy thought, your karma back in your next embodiment is going to be an alcoholic or a drug addict. Well, then what if you do this? What if you are judging someone for being a pedophile, judging someone for being a murderer, and you say, that that's repulsive, that's disgusting, don't even bring that near me. Is your karma to come back as them and to be and feel the same as judgment? Because the minute you judge the minute you judge it, you connect to it. Now, I don't say you don't discern it, and if you need to do something, if a mother knows a father is abusing the child, she has to act. That is her job. But she does it with discernment, not with judgment. Judgment is left up to the courts. That's the reason we have people that do the judgment, so we don't get stuck. Judgment is mine, says the Lord. So, you're saying that, well, I guess, is it better to what disattach? Is there a disattachment to it? And also, to take this in another step, Miss Perry, one of the things I love is that you've, you taught me a lot of great lessons, is you said to write things down. To write it down because if the energy frequency what increases. Can you please elaborate on the power of writing things down and how that comes into forgiveness? Back in the 70s, they proved that the thought is four volts of electricity. When you speak, Unity Church teaches that it's ten times stronger. And then in the written word, it's 50 times stronger. So instead of keeping all that stuff inside your body, creating disease, uneasiness with yourself or with someone else, you are taking it out of you and putting it on paper and with the writing, then it's 50 times stronger than just even going to the person. And what happens on the third step of doing this, and when you're fine with it, you go to that person and you tell them, what happened to me is I didn't need to do it. It happened naturally. Okay. People that had abused me and hurt me, they came back into my life, and I had no more hostility. I didn't need to be with them. I didn't need to be around them. But I could say, I have forgiven you. And you see these magnificent people coming forth now on the planet with horrible things done to their children or to their parents or something, and they're standing up saying, I have forgiven them. I have to say, these, these people that are coming in, I guess I commend them, but I'm definitely not going to be one of those people. I mean, i I got to say, I don't know, maybe this is, you know, where I am or where the path is, but I think if somebody does something horrible, I don't want anything to do with them. As a matter of fact, I want something bad. I want them to be off the planet in some a lot of capacity. I don't have this idea of, of believing in, you know, 
unconditional forgiveness, especially for people who do horrible things like harm children, harm animals, you know, infringe upon people in horrible ways. And if that means I'm not going to attain a certain level of enlightenment, I'm completely content with that. And maybe some people listening feel that same way as well. So I guess that being said, if you refuse to forgive, if you refuse to, let's say, for example, you know, open your heart up to this level, are you destined to repeat a karmic cycle as a human being on planet Earth until you, what, bend the will and decide to do it that way? Or can you go well, on into evolutions without it? May I offer something? What I would say, I would say to use your energy and your platform to stop it. Look at what's happening now. Because of several women coming forth, we've got 30 and 40 that are coming forth. Use that energy in a positive way to change that. Okay. And Ms. Long. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Anna. Got it. Well, I was just thinking that um, I think about this in terms of a continuum or by degrees or level of difficulty. And there's something called a compassionate reappraisal. We think again about there's been a, a tremendous amount of research done that shows that if a commitment to unforgiveness is almost like um, taking poison, hoping the other person will die, because heck, the commitment to unforgiveness has a negative impact on us physiologically, emotionally, and just even our fatigue level. But I, but I don't think that it makes sense to go after what's most difficult to begin. It's possible to start with practicing compassionate reappraisal with something that's a level of difficulty that's like one. So if there's degrees of difficulty, you go from one to three. Never start with the three. It's too much. You start with a one, maybe somebody that's a little bit annoying or frustrating. And the idea is you kind of get that those juices going. Think about the compassionate reappraisal is like this. You begin sort of thinking about um, someone in terms of just like the – I, I, you think about maybe the suffering other or the harm or the frustration that ca- caused you. And, and again, a level one degree of difficulty. And have compassion for yourself and the suffering you've experienced because of it. And even saying that this wasn't good, what they did. It's frustrating. It's annoying. Uh, and acknowledging that. So you don't act like it's okay. It isn't okay. And it hurts. And I acknowledge that trying to acknowledge it in a way that's kind to yourself. And then if you can get there, you move to step of considering that maybe just like me they have their own level of suffering whoever inflicted it that they're also in pain and that maybe the harm that they cause is a reflection of their own suffering and that if you can get there maybe you can begin to think that maybe they have something that needs to grow or to heal or to learn and if yes. they grew or healed or learned in the way they need to, they'll inflict less suffering. They'll have less suffering themselves and inflict less suffering on the world. But, so then you get to a place where you wish them, if you can genuinely wish that they would heal what they need to heal, grow where they need to grow, learn where they need to learn, so they'll inflict less suffering on the world. But wasn't there and another way of just saying, listen, why don't you just, if you tell, if you see the person who's, it's always, obviously you're in pain, but don't, don't you, Take your stuff and throw it on me and throw it on the people I love. You know, you deal with it on your own account. Is there, I don't know if there's anything theoretically, um, metaphysically wrong with telling a person, saying, collapse upon your own energy field and negativity. Do not infringe upon me. Do not infringe upon people. Except, can I, may yeah. I mention one thing about that, if please. that's okay. And then, yes. uh, Swami, please, I'll, I'll, I'll slide out. 
But I think about um, my favorite definition of resiliency, and I, I learned some of this from Swami. My favorite definition of resiliency is that it's a, this definition came from Dean Becker from the Hay Group. It's a wise deployment of limited resources. It's a wise deployment of limited resources. And if you think about having two buckets, one has holes in the bottom and one doesn't, and you have a finite amount of drinking water, which bucket do you want to carry your water in? Obviously, you want to carry it in the bucket with no holes in the bottom. That's like focusing on things that are within my control. If I do these things like the compassionate reappraisal, I can heal myself. I can heal the suffering I experience from things that other people done. And what they choose to do in response doesn't have to affect my own growth. If I say to someone, I want you to stop inflicting suffering on me or just deal with it yourself or not do this, I can say that. But if I set it up that my peace is only going to happen if they do what I tell them to do or they do what I want them to do, I'm I'm using the bucket with holes in the bottom. That's right. And resistance meets resistance. That's the reason when you write it down, you call a member SOB, everything you want to do. I feel like beating your head in, you know. I feel like shooting you through the heart. (laughs) Whatever you feel, you take that anger and rage out of you and put it on paper so that those Thoughts and those feelings are not yours. You cut yourself off from the warring that goes on in the world. That's how you have to find peace for yourself. Yes, SOB may have hurt your family. You know, you want to go over and kill them, but we have laws, so we can't do that. But if you write it down, then you're able to give it to the elements because that's what we are. We're elementals. We're elements before we come into blood and bones. So you give it to the wind. You give it to the water. You bury it. You give it to the fire. You get rid of what you've written down because it's it's a sickness. You can't destroy energy. You cannot destroy energy, but you can change it. And forgiveness changes the energy within your body. It changes the energy of what goes out. If that person receives, fine. If they don't, you are not responsible for their soul. You are not. It's about you. Only you can change. Only you can change. And you have that responsibility for your children till they're 12 years old. And that's in most spiritual teachings. Miss Perry, I love you very much. And that's why it's difficult sometimes to ask you some of these questions, but I have to always um, be respectful in the challenging. And the idea that I, I believe that there is no justice in this world. I believe that justice is very rare. I mean, it comes in maybe selective process, but most of the world is really not a lot of justice at all. So this idea that, okay, you know, somebody does something horrible, I'm going to release it and kind of, you know, leave it to the chance that something will happen. I don't know. It's just not good enough for me. So I'm wondering if is there some if you if you have to choose a list of two evils is there a way that an in between point instead of totally forgiving the person kind of just you know protect yourself from them but kind of guide them in the path or accelerate their path into the karmic ramifications of what they've done to you is there any way you can do that can you can you is there a middle ground where you don't totally forgive that person but you kind of make them more attractive 
to the karma that's due unto them for the pain and suffering that they've caused unto you and to your family? Well, I think that if you go to a lot of prisons and you see things, the people that are given good guidance shift and change, and they admit what they did. They take responsibility, but most people justify it, and they don't take responsibility for it. But it's you taking responsibility for your own peace of mind. Your family and children feel that energy, and they can do the same thing. They're at peace. You don't keep that unrest going in your lineage energy and keep fighting. That's what happens with the countries. They they don't know anything else but to fight. That's all their life is about is fighting. We have the opportunity here to not do that. Okay. So we if we justify it, you know, you cannot justify hate. You can't because like Anna said, it's poison. It'll kill you. All right, well, let's look at our reality. And even if you are, you have a lot of peace and compassion, it seems that in our world there's going to be examples of love. There's going to be examples of, of hatred and evil. I don't know if you can escape. I don't know if you, it's possible to escape either one. And I guess even if you focus your attention on something, whether it be evil, whether it be peaceful, it's going to somehow, I imagine, get into your energy field. So well, I'll say that to you. And just say that being said, how do you keep, you know, love and light and peace within your heart, knowing you are in a world, in a reality where the exact opposite can happen, knowing at any point in time the worst moment can happen? We're here for three reasons. Okay. Or three things we work on. We work on um, the ego which uh, superiority, inferiority, and our death. So, so when our ego, pardon, our death, our own death, our death, where we review where we've come. And that's why a lot of people die a horrible death, because they've held all that anger and stuff within them. It's like poisoning them. And we come here to do karma. There's two reasons we come. We come to do our karma, and we come to know God. Those are the two reasons we're on this planet. God made this planet. God made our bodies, our world. I I believe that all masters lead us to the one God. Got it. And that we're here simply to work our karma. And forgiveness is the greatest thing that we're given to be able to do that. And believe me, my mind was like a thousand runaway horses. My heart was shredded. I I I felt like I was just a skeleton with bones breathing. And I slept under a tree. So much had happened. I slept under a tree till the roots of the tree gave me back my life. And after that, then I started four years of writing the forgiveness. And I only started with 12 people, and there was 400 
back to the person that <laughs> tormented me at the second or third grade. I did not know that was stored in my subconscious mind. Sometimes we have this idea that we're supposed to be our, our brother and sister's keepers, and I don't know. I don't believe that. I think that we're responsible in one way for our own evolution, you know, show as much love and peace and compassion for others. But at the same time, it's up for everyone else to figure it out. So is there necessarily such an obligation that we need to do this for other people? I mean, we can, it's nice if we offer it. I think it's cool. But is there a necessarily a need? Especially, can we actually trap ourselves by becoming a save, having a savior mentality, saying we need to save others? But it's, it's the ultimate goal is to have more peace within me and to be living in a way that I respect and to be, you know, to making choices and decisions and interactions that I respect for myself. And if someone else chooses to meet me there, it's like I said to Marie, I have lots of energy to move forward kindly and respectfully. Will you join me? And she said yes. If she said no, I'm not, I'm no longer going to participate in a conversation that's unkind or disrespectful. If you want to join me here in a kind, respectful way, I'm 100% on board. And this yeah, and for me, Miss, for the, for me, it's people coming to me asking for help. I don't go looking for them or try to fix them. They come to me as a teacher, and I give them the foundation of my work that's been here. I was at the UN, I've said it before, in 2000, World Millennium Peace Summit. We looked, we worked on starvation, homelessness, conflict resolution, and forgiveness. So those are world things that need to be worked on. And they also said, go home and find peace in your family and there'll be peace in the world. So you have to start with yourself and your family. So what's good for you it has to be good for your family and then the community as a whole. So if it's not good and you're still holding rage and anger and lineage energy over people that have killed your people years ago, millenniums ago, then you're going to keep it up. But then along will come somebody perhaps that will get it and then they'll pass it on. It's called light. The other's dark. You can't serve two masters. You've got to serve the light or you've got to serve the dark. Wait, you can what? justify all you want to. You can justify all you want to, but still, I don't force this on anyone. It works. You just, I call it spiritual homework. If you do the work, miracles happen. So you can't serve two masters, light and dark. What would you call the people in our cultures are quote unquote warriors? I mean, what if you what if you have to go out and you got to fight and you got to take up um, you know arms against people that want to hurt you? I mean, isn't that I mean you're killing them, so you're technically engaging in dark behaviors by killing them. So isn't that how can you be light? If that's your job, yeah. if that's your job and that's what you have to do, how am I to judge that? I'm not going to judge it. But you look at the guys coming back here and having PTSD, I mean, I've heard so many stories about nightmares and stuff that they have, and they have to work on, you know, re realigning their consciousness with what they've done. They're so wounded by it. Now, just as far as you mentioned something earlier, which I love that you touched upon, the idea that 
you could say something, but if you write it out, it carries a greater energetic component to it. Is there anything else that magnifies that? I, I'm just going to say from my experience, I like to uh, write things down, and then I put a candle over top of it, a certain candle with the expectation that I'm hoping to magnify the power of those words. Is there anything else you'd recommend to magnify or increase the power of intention? Sorry. Well, you can put it on. I have a large purple crystal amethyst on my altar. When somebody asks me to pray for them or if they need money or something, I put that request on the crystal because crystals set up separate electromagnetic fields. Also, if you want to uh, give more power to something, my Native American teacher, Beautiful Painted Era, taught me to put it on an altar. To do, I mean, put, excuse me, make an altar, but put it on a mirror if you want to magnify it. Is that really magnifying? So the crystal, the crystal and, and the uh, mirror. The mirror magnifies. When we do work with our weather being and we want healing for somebody maybe going in a storm, uh, you make a prayer and you put it on the mirror. It magnifies that power of the words that you've given to your prayer. See, prayer is asking. Meditation is listening. So we have to pray before we do things. Otherwise, our ego thinks we know what we need to do, and that's how we get in trouble. We don't meditate. We don't learn to listen. And I'm talking about deeper listening. But we have to heal our heart. What enrages us and what hurts us. I'm working with a woman now that her her husband had a heart attack because of something happened to him young. She tried and tried to help him. But he would withdraw. And he's had a heart attack and died. You know? And she felt like, what else could I do? You know, the same thing with my husband. I had the visions of him, and I thought I could change it. I worked nine years trying to change so he wouldn't commit suicide. You can't do it for somebody else. You have to do your piece for your piece for you. As you do it, then other people may join you. That's how groups, I mean, I I saw... uh, I forget his name this morning on the news. He He's working with water with the children around the world so that they can have water, you know. It's just go use what you can for good. Don't, don't gossip. The negative energy will, will hurt a person's spirit. You talk about another one, you're enraged at them, that energy goes to, if if it doesn't go to their body, it goes to their spirit. And it looks like black tar on their spirit. And it makes them hard. It's hard for them to work or to do. Take back your power and use it to work on yourself. And as you do, people come to you. They know you're different. They know, they feel your light when they're around. And you know, Ryan, you've been enough into energy when you're with somebody 
you feel good with or yeah. somebody you feel threatened with. Yes. Yeah. You don't need to associate with them, but you don't need to belittle them or judge them. Go your way, you know. So yeah. let's take it in a very Go positive direction. We talked about the idea of uh, gossiping. What if you're saying some right. positive things about people? What if you're saying, okay, you're gossiping about someone, but you're saying good things about the person? You're like, hey, you know, Mary and Joe, they, they're such nice people. And you're saying it behind their back. Well, that's not, to me, I don't see that as gossip. Well, but I'm saying, because could it have the exact opposite effect? I mean, so we say one thing is it's gossiping, it's negative, and it kind of puts tars on the, on the person. But if you're saying complimentary things about the person and you're saying loving things about the person, does that send light and peace to that person's energy frequency? Are they more Yes, it does. And I think that uh, Obama's wife, I can't, I'm losing her name right there. Uh, Obama's wife, Michelle. Michelle said it the best. When they go low, I go high. Okay. Yeah. You know, and to me, I teach people to spiral up. Don't stay down in it. Take three days, do your pity party, do your hate, do whatever, but rise up out of that into the light and work with healing yourself, whatever you've allowed that to do. And believe me, when people abuse children, they take their power. So you have to work a long time to get your power back. But here's what the Native Americans also, which I think is a huge lesson, Everything's a blessing. And I remember telling him one time, sometimes it's effing horrible. You know, it's still a blessing. But here is this. When you get the lesson of why that's in your life, then you get the blessing and it's over. And to me, the best way to get that is through the forgiveness work. If you are a person... That for some reason a, major, a lot of people think you're good, and they're sending you love and peace. At the same time, in the core, you're evil. How do those two energies play out and conflict with each other? And the reason why I bring that up is because I was just thinking about um, the Pope. I know everyone is a big fan of the Pope and his predecessor, but I have to say I think they're terrible, horrible people because they allowed pedophile priests to be protected. They took them into the Vatican. They said, you can work here. They, the, the Pope um, Francis took this guy, Bernard Law, who presided over the Archdiocese of Boston, where several children were molested by priests. And yet the Pope is widely respected and admired for some reason. People said, we love you. And how does that energy conflict and balance each other out? If you are respected on the outside, loved and admired by the people... Yet, on the deepest core of yourself, you are a cold, uh, cruel human being. Well, I think, I mean, I've seen souls in pigs and animals. I think they devolve back or they go to fiery hell. You know, they they will pay. It will pay. I mean, and I've worked with several guys that were molested. One of them molested in two different uh, private schools. And I see the mess that it makes. But to me, I think that that's the reason a lot of people have broke away from the church. That's why they're they're wanting to know about the Native American work and the medicine wheel, and they're wanting to know about the Far Eastern teachings. But, you know, this is in everything. 
you're going to find darkness into ever in churches in you know in doctors' offices. It's just like the women thing now that's going on. You know they thought at first it was you know the high flying rich people in Hollywood, but now they're learning that it goes on at McDonald's. You see, it it we are evolving. The divine feminine is on the world in this world now. And stuff is coming up. You'll see it won't be one thing a person has. They'll have three heavy-duty things to deal with. People are clearing their karma left and right. They're dying or they're rotting and decaying. That's all. We are in a tremendous growth cycle. Tremendous. And I, I feel blessed to be able to be here. But believe me, it's not easy. No, I agree with you. It's rough. Why would we do this to yeah. ourselves? I still don't understand. <laughs> I, we had this conversation, like, I don't know, a couple of days ago. You're, you're like, we come into this world because it's a high density to work stuff out. I'm like, there's got to be another reality. I sometimes think that there are a lot of spirits that were drunk that came down and said, that's a good idea. And we, we did it on a dare to come here. <laughs> Because there's no way it has to be this difficult. There's no way. There's got to be another way to do it. It's just like I'm sure that the primitive uh, ancestors were nailing, you know, nails to the boards with their hands. Like, no, you got to develop a hammer. So there's got to be a different way. And I'm looking for that different way. I'm looking for I'm looking for the door to go to that other way. <laughs> Miss Reverend yeah. Sally Perry, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Um, a little more about Miss Sally Perry by going to her website at sallyperry.net. I want to thank Miss Anna DeLong, licensed therapist and mindfulness expert. I want to thank you both so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan, for uh, letting the power of forgiveness be rediscovered. And this is a year of new beginnings. We're in new beginnings. So if you put that intent out, you're going to get it. You'll get it. Good. My love and light to the world and to you, Ryan, and especially to Anna. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our great guests, Miss Anna DeLong and Reverend Sally Perry. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Kaza, and Miss Constance Stellas. To learn more about the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at outoflimitsradio.com. Till the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening. Want to be heard or seen in front of millions of people? Want to be an expert on TV or radio? Goldman McCormick PR is a New York City-based public relations agency that specializes in traditional and social media placement for law, finance, media, and corporate-based clients. Goldman McCormick PR also are specialists in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information. GoldmanMcCormick.com.